Hello, hello, and welcome back. Wow. Thank you so much for returning to the podcast and really the opportunity to explore your inner space. I am Howard, also known as the Cosmonaut, and I am considered as your inner space archaeologist, your guide, really. I want to help you get comfortable with your inner world into that darkness within. Some of us call it shadow work. Now, the more we focus on it, I like to think that with our consciousness, we are shining a light of love and acceptance into that moment. So maybe there's no answers this time around. But the more we shine that light, the more we learn. The more we learn, the more we grow. And the more we grow, the more we connect. So some of us are into this new year thing. Great. Some of us are waiting till the start of spring to signify the start of the new year. Also great. Whatever we're doing, we're in the moment of it in hopes to. And what I mean about being in the moment is working on being present, acknowledging the things, places, and environments that you might have now found yourself in over the time. Over this new year. Today's episode, I was fortunate to have an opportunity to sit down with Micah Mortali. He's the author of the book Rewilding. And Micah is like us. He's an inner space archaeologist, in my opinion. He's someone that brings together yoga, mindfulness, wilderness training, ancient skills. He's doing it in a way to create like a unique guide to reigniting your primal energy. You know, basically becoming undomesticated, like understanding your true self. And if you're an avid listener to this show, you know I talk about exploring your inner universe and getting out into nature. I mean, I have three spacesuits. Like, I'm out here trying to bring down that consciousness into my own life. Micah's doing the same thing. His focus is on deepening our relationship with the living earth, you know, Mother Earth. So please take some time to listen to this episode. If you have the opportunity, not the opportunity, but the drive or the desire to reach out to me, please do. You can on Instagram at One Dark Universe, or you can head over to my website, OneDarkUniverse.com. Nonetheless, listen to this episode, get comfortable, tell me what you think about it, and hopefully you enjoy it. You have a great one. See you next time. Bye. That sounds good. All right, Micah Mortali, thank you so much for joining here, joining us here on One Dark Universe. Um, Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're welcome, man. You are a great man. Let me start with that just by the intent of your work. It seems like you come from the inner out. And so I would really love to take some time kind of understanding your journey, oh, whether sorry. it be, no worries, understanding your journey over a few questions or maybe even um, just shooting it and see how it goes from there as well sounds good let's do it so like my first question knowing that you bring together yoga mindfulness wilderness training ancient skills and it is a unique approach i would agree like reignite that primal energy what brought you to meditation or mm -hmm. is it or was it mindfulness first yeah great uh it's a good question mm -hmm. um so I guess I got into meditation uh, when I was in college. Um, so growing up, though, I guess I, my first connection to spirituality was really um, my time in the woods in Connecticut growing up. So mm -hmm. I was uh, 
When I was a little kid, my folks bought some land, bought a house in the woods and built it out there. And there was a period of time there where uh, we didn't have electricity. Uh, we even had like an outhouse, you know, mm -hmm. for a while. And, uh, and I can remember just, you know, kerosene lanterns and having a generator and, um, you know, this was like the early eighties. So my kids I knew at school were like watching the A-team and playing Atari. Yes. Yes. I love <laughs> it. I love it. I'm fully aware of it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I was sort of like, uh, having a little bit of a different experience. And, um, you know, my folks split up when I was six years old and, uh, and then the next period of time, like the rest of my childhood and young adulthood was, uh, you know, fraught with a lot of emotional turmoil and, and challenges. And so, um, I found myself with a lot of time unsupervised and alone and um, not really realizing I was dealing with like some grief and some trauma. And so nature was just my healing space. It was like I would go in the woods and I would, uh, you know, climb trees or I would, you know, shoot my bow and arrow or just yeah. do stuff that like that I was able to do. It didn't really hit me until much, much later, like, mm. you know, almost till I was around 40 years old, where I realized that like, the outdoors was uh, like, a, like medicine for me as a kid, it was just like, it's like a wounded animal, like, we'll go and lay down on the ground, you know, and it was like, that's what kind of what I was doing. So yeah, um, eventually, I, you know, I, I, when I was in college, I, I found myself very interested in um, the wisdom traditions. Mm. And um, I didn't know at all, like what I wanted to do for a job. Yeah, um, I was completely lost, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, all I knew was that um, I was very interested in human consciousness and the like the deeper questions like, like, what are we? Yeah. And, um, like, what is this life? You know, so I, I studied religion. And uh, through that, I started to um, find, I found yoga, uh, yeah. I found meditation, and I started to just like, um, kind of combine the contemplative practices with like the stuff I always loved, you know, making fires and being an outdoorsman. And so I, I was just, that was kind of, I guess, the quest that I've been on you know, in my professional life and my personal life is to like, figure out like, what's the connection between the human being and the more than human world and yeah. why is that important you know so it seems like you when you kind of i'd call it freeing yourself you know when you were working on that space and you found that connection in nature did you also feel like there was a and it says like like a second you that you were escaping to or growing with versus the the you that were having a problem in everyday life you know what was there a separateness for you when you got into nature versus when you were yourself not in nature as to why that investment became so natural to to make consistent, you know, like, because going out in nature, at least in today's um, paradigm, is not a natural thing more than it's an event. You know, you mentioned being a part of a child of the 80s like myself. We lived outside. Going home was dinner or sleep. You know, it wasn't really the way that it is now where it's the opposite. You go outside for these one or two events, but you live inside. No, for us. And sure, we were children. We, you know, we were riding banana seats and BMX and Huffies. And again, on the cartoons, everybody was jacked and buff. And, you know, so if if 
if you weren't paying attention, you were being led down this energy of you had to be awesome as a child, but you were expressive as a child, so you didn't see it. Now, in today's nature, you'll have parents that say, my, ch my children are great and stuff, when they don't communicate with their children. They're just in the house. So I'm trying to get a paint a picture of if no one forced you to go outside, what made you keep going outside? Yeah. That's okay. It's really, I like the way your mind works. It's a really cool question. Um, yeah, you know, it's funny. Like, yeah, I think you got a point there. Uh, there, there was a, a, like a dissonance um, growing up. I think what was going on was um, my social circle in school and among people that I was around just because of the town I lived in and, and things. I, um, I did not fit in mm. at all. Uh, I always felt like an outsider. Mm. And uh, part of that was like a socioeconomic thing. Part of that was just, I didn't feel like um, I resonated with a lot of like, the, I guess the consciousness of the environment, that social milieu, you know, it was just, mm -hmm. uh, I just never felt like I belonged you know and that was like yeah. really hard and yeah. I think I just felt like I I felt comfortable when I was in the woods yeah you nature know, has this way yeah. of not judging you but defining you yeah. right it, it it tests you but it's not judging you in the testing <laughs> it's like you, you may get too cold you might get real tired you might get scared but it's not judging you I don't feel like I'm being judged by nature I do feel like I'm being tested. And, you know, teachers are usually of both spaces, a judger and a tester. But nature offers this naturalness to it that you either jump in or you observe it. Like I have this new um, mantra or conversations. I like, I like quotes. And so my new quote for this year is observe, don't absorb. And mm. I, am a, I am an absorber by nature, mm -hmm. um, but... What I have to learn is that um, the observe, not absorb portion, but the power of that space and getting more into nature is my answer for that personally. So how does one become a mindful outdoor guide in your definition? Because I see there's levels of being a mindful outdoor guide. And I think with nature, if you like your background, you know, brought you to it and you find more of it. But now, how did you become a guide in that? How do you have levels? I think there's two levels, three levels. Yeah. Talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, yeah, that's a, how, how did I become a, like a mindful outdoor guide? Yeah. Well, okay. uh, it's, it, it was kind of just uh, the journey of my life brought me to that. It was um, after I left college, I decided what well, I, I prayed one day. I was uh, after I was done with school, um, I, again, was feeling very lost. A lot of feeling like... <laughs> It's weird, you know, it's like uh, people talk about the hero's journey or, yeah. you know, following a calling um, like that's scary stuff, man. It's, yeah. it's it, you know, it's it's a lot of risk. And I, that's how it kind of felt for me a mm. lot of the time. So I always like to say that for because I, I, I like to feel like maybe we're talking to folks who are also listening to that small, quiet voice within themselves and trying to unfold their destiny. And uh, that's like dangerous work. I mean, it's yeah. dangerous not to do it. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, isn't it? Isn't it? It's dangerous <laughs> not to do it. It's even more dangerous not to do it, really. It's but to do it is to talk. I think one of the terms they use in like a mindfulness self-help space is talk is um working with your shadows, you know, working with those those um conversations. I I use the term backseat driver because I was like a big fan of Dexter. But mm -hmm. it's it's definitely the same concept in a lot of ways. And it begs me to think now, you know, you you saying that it's you got so good with loving the outdoors that you just decided to become a guide and offer um, levels of degrees in it. Yeah. I guess. So, so let me tell you how it happened or I'll, yeah. tell, I'll tell you the story. So, uh, so I decided, um, well, I keep saying I decided what, what I mean to say is um, I wasn't sure what to do next. And, um, <laughs> That's different. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I prayed very hard one day. Yeah, um, that the creator would make it really clear to me what I I should do next. And nice. Um, and and on that day, I was I got this clear message. Um, I found this company at my college that was yeah. advertised. I'd always seen myself in a canoe with kids guiding trips, and I walked <laughs> into the student center, and there was a photo of people in canoes with kids guiding wow. trips. So, um. I, I took that job and for three years, I was a therapeutic wilderness counselor with adjudicated youth down in the Smoky Mountains. Wow. So I lived uh, outside year round and I had a group of 10 boys that uh, I was their primary caregiver. Yeah. Um, and it was a five day on two day off situation. So it was five days, 24 hours a day living outside with these boys. Wow. Three meals a day and it was, uh, and then we would go on these three week river trips down in Florida. So I get load up the van, drive the canoes down. And for three weeks, we were like paddling with alligators. Wow. Eating spam, that know? sounds amazing. <laughs> That's one <laughs> word. Mark. <laughs> well, I mean, it was maybe... pretty intense, man. It was, yeah. it was amazing. I learned a lot, kick, kick my ass pretty hard on every yeah. level on every, and but, um, that was the insight. That was the vision, right? You just saw it and you ran with it. Yep. And it was in some ways, it was like a rite of passage for me. Yes, yeah. man. I was in my early 20s that. and it was like really tested me. Um, and so I did that. But it was uh, the job was kind of traumatic. I would mm -hmm. say it was a pretty traumatic job. Mm -hmm. And uh, in a lot of ways, because you talk about observing and not absorbing. I'm an mm -hmm. absorber, too. Mm -hmm. And these children had a lot of trauma. Yes. Yeah. And I absorbed a lot of that. And um, and it was, you know, one of those situations where, you know, sometimes you work with people and uh, you can't really help them. You yeah. know, and that was hard. Um, yeah. But through that process, while I was down there, I um, I, I needed yoga. Mm. I was like, I need to do some yoga. I need to, you know, relax. And uh, anyway, I found a Kripali yoga class down in yeah. Asheville, North Carolina. And uh you know, I had this experience with the breathing practices in that class where mm -hmm. um, it was kind of a, it was a cool experience. I was looking for a yoga class and I found one in the paper. It was like by donation and it was a Kripalu yoga sanctuary. I was like, what is that? Like right. <laughs> by donation. I was like, okay, that fits my budget. So that I sounds up. free to me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I, I walk up these stairs, this like creaky staircase and this like house and get up to this room. It's all shag carpet. And I look around, there's like Whoa. 20 people in there. I'll never forget. I saw there was this one dude with like a, a beard and a ponytail. He was wearing like Carhartt 
work pants, Whoa. You know, the kind that do not stretch with the chest. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> and I was like, man. <laughs> yeah, I was like, whoa, like this guy's doing yoga? Like, okay, cool. And uh, and we started to do the pranayama, the breathing. Yeah. And, and, uh, and at one point, at like toward the end of the class, when we were getting into Shavasana, relaxation it's just like all the pain started to just flow i started to cry big tears you know and it just was like mm-hmm. releasing you know and it was very powerful and, and the sun had set and it was dark and i remember kind of coming out of that and the moon was shining through the window and i sat up and like all these people were like looking at me and then people came up and started hugging me <laughs> and i was like what kind of yoga is this you know <laughs> what did i step into it was sweet. Uh, and and yeah. then it was like, I was like, okay, well, um, I started to feel like, well, I got to go check this Kripalu place out. Yeah. Um, so I came up here a couple of years later and I became a yoga teacher. I did the the month long yoga teacher training. From here. Florida to North Carolina? This was in North Carolina. And then I came up to the Ma- Massachusetts to do okay, to Massachusetts. Uh, the Kripalu mm. yoga teacher training here. And, uh, and then uh, I pretty much sort of stuck around and I've been here at Kripalu for 17 years. Wow. That's a hard stick there, Micah. (laughs) You you stuck, you're stuck for sure. But it also speaks to, I think you mentioned two things that I just wanted to like talk a little bit about how you step into a brand new environment and your, the familiar thing that helped to ground you was another man in discomfort. (laughs) And I only use it in that term. It's because, I'm thinking that here you are self-exploring, right? I call it like the inner space archaeologist, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And you're digging and you're finding and you're like, I'm going into a yoga space. Again, that's like a big term for men. You're already thinking I don't have the right pants on. I don't wear spandex, you know, <laughs> like all these things, right? Yeah. But you still yeah. pursued it. You still went through, you still showed up. And then the universe, God, both in the same, gives yeah. you this recognition that, Hey, you see that guy over there? Go ahead and calm down. Calm your ego down, Micah. And I need you to go ahead and stretch. I say that because do you think if he wasn't there, would you have stayed? Yeah, I would have stayed for sure. I I love that you brought that. I never thought about it quite in that terms, uh, Mm. Howard. I I love that. Um, There was definitely, there's something you're right about him being there and uh, that reassurance that it gave me. Um, yeah. and that comfortability to be there for sure. Well, I'm a big, I'm a big proponent of um, our astrological makeup. And so like on the day you were born, date and time, your natal charts, your all your three signs, understanding where that is in the cosmos on the day you were born, I call that your cosmic fingerprint mm. or like your, 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 your universal face. And so everything that happened on the planets where their positions, the gravitational references, how it affects the sun, the moon, all of that was you these are that's that's you that's like your cosmic body if anything and then your earth body made up of as we say data a um atoms and things of that nature is a a version of that so i like to think i don't know you from adam but we are the same atom and so when we expand from ground up as bottom as below there's a lot of things that are working for us that our six senses or five don't necessarily know how to interpret, but we're living through it. We're becoming like aging. And you mentioned passage of time. These things don't have fingers that you can point to or point onto or things you can grasp. 
but their meaning to our life is so definitive. It changes everything. If you get a rites of passage, you're that much better than someone who didn't. It's just cause and effect in that space. But it doesn't mean that you are the best. It means that you have a tool now that we can connect back together to work for because it's all connected in that like connection. And so hearing apart with your story and even understand mine, I think we're a lot in the same, but just experiencing it from different perspectives. Like you talk a lot about nature. You talk a lot, a lot about it, the outdoors. My whole concept is about being an inner space archaeologist and being a spaceman. So I have three spacesuits and I go around and I jump and I flip on stuff. And people ask me, are you an astronaut? And I say yes, only because of one reference. I worked for NASA just for a little bit. But more so, I like the word cosmonaut because it's like cosmic mind yeah. and asteroids, planes. So I have yet to found a way to make it earthly more than I've found a way to accept like a, a space reflection of myself, a cosmic reflection of myself. What I'm hearing from you is you found a great earth version of that. You founded an institute. You're, you're, you're focused on bringing men and women into the space of mindfulness and wellness and yoga. Those are very three, three things right now that don't have a place. They just have places to go. But, you know, like sports has a place. Football has a place. It has a, like a crowd. Yoga, mindfulness, it's pocketed. Mm -hmm. And so you're a navigator of that, of that message that when it gets into places like Karpalu or it gets into places like people's home, you were part of that energy to make it, make it true. So it's like you're not even we even who we are today. We're still experiencing that same things we were having as children where we felt like we were kind of like not the same, right? And it's yeah. very hard as children. I'm an immigrant. I got picked on. I had to learn languages. I didn't have friends, blah, blah, blah. But I didn't hate myself. And I didn't hate people enough to run away from them. But I knew there was some connection that was missing. You find yours and you found yours. And you're so good at it. You're, you're able to do it every year. I was really excited to watch your Instagram stories in the progression of the of the um what 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 is it like the the little hut that you build and the the meditation that you're doing like that too is like a spaceman on a different planet using the resources he has to keep himself in wellness mm. I love that's it. that's what i do yeah. I, I love that i love that so much uh years ago i did a cd when cds were people were doing cds i, <laughs> I made a i made a cd called inward diving mm. And uh, it was uh, using yogic breathing practices. The idea was you'd wear a blindfold, you'd listen to this kind of uh, ambient techno music, and then I would guide pranayam. And, you know, it was, you know, so I'm, I'm with you, man, like pratyahara, withdrawal of the senses, yeah. um, sort of the psychonaut is another term I've heard for this work, right? Yes, yes. Like, a, I, yeah, yeah. I, I was, um, I've never heard any not inside of this because I've been, in this space for maybe about eight years, eight to 10 years, but like homemade. Like I, I'm a certified personal yoga trainer. I, I'm certified in meditation and guided work, but it's because I wanted to get better at myself. I've, I didn't entertain the idea of actually teaching people that now that I have weekly classes that I offer in Zoom sessions, they're more like introductions, you know? And it starts with that. I literally ask people if they're there are three practices, whether it's sound, silence, or um, visual yoga. 
And then I said, there's this fourth one, call your breath. And they're like, what is that? You know, and it opens them up to this reality that they were already living in, but their awareness of it wasn't there. Mm. And I think that's what you're doing as well with us and the, the rewilding, just getting back to that rewilding. Could you tell me what, how did you come with the title of the book? I mean, it's yeah. kind of obvious, but what was the story behind that? Sure. Um, so, you know, originally when Sounds True approached me about the book, um, you know, they were interested in like a forest bathing book. Mm. And uh, so I started kind of working on that. And when I started to sh send them stuff, it was, it had like bow drill and tracking in it and all this stuff. And they were like, well, hey, wait a minute. Like there's already a couple uh, forest bathing books that are coming out mm. next year you seem like you're into something else a little bit. And then we started chatting and, um, and then we kind of came upon like, well, what about like a rewilding book? And and I was like, my eye lit up. I was like, yeah, that's great. Cause that's more what I am. And Your what, speed. Yeah. Yeah. Cause um, you know, even like when I pitched the school for mindful outdoor leadership here at Kripalu, um, like not, there hadn't ever been a program like this before. That where, was the question I had. Yeah. yeah like, Nobody's ever done um, sort of a, well, certainly a certification to train folks to, to guide in this way, but nobody's ever brought in elements of forest bathing, elements of yoga, mm -hmm. um, elements of naturalist knowledge and awareness, elements of ancestral skills and rewilding yeah, yeah. Um, into like a coherent frame. Um, and so you know, even just things like, you know, in, in the training, like folks learn how to in, guide people into a state of uh, curious present moment awareness, like in, mm -hmm. into mindfulness. So, you know, like you were saying, mindfulness is kind of in this pocket, right? And then you've got yoga and it's kind of in this pocket over here. Mm -hmm. And then you've got outdoorsy people kind of, and then you got like your trackers and your bushcrafters, everybody's in all these pockets. And yep. I have all those pockets in me, <laughs> you know? <laughs> And awesome. so I've been like going out and meditating mm -hmm. with my knife and my hatchet, and my bow and arrow and building yeah. shelters and then doing yoga. And then also like tracking the animals and like eating things. And so that's been my, what I have evolved into. And um, part of it was like, I guess from a part of what I'm observing these days is I'm looking at the world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what I see is um, a, a human made, a human made civilization, right? That's yeah. global. That is obviously, you know, profoundly out of harmony. Yes. Yeah. With, with itself. That, that, with itself. Yeah. To even, and, and not to cut you off, and it, it can't, let's say if we use that analogy and kind of dig into it further and make it a person. Here it is, you have a person who has everything they want, but doesn't talk to themselves. So that is our energy. We, we are boundless at this point. We're floating off the planet. You got people like me who believe I can fly, you know, and I'm dead set on it, knock on wood. It doesn't matter if it doesn't happen. It just fulfills me with so much joy that it's impossible to let it go. You know, it's oh, like... Yeah. It, but again, you also have this disharmony that's part of a cosmic shift or a paradigm shift that's so deep rooted in a lot of our nature that to talk about it is just the beginning.
Yeah. You actually have to live it. You actually have to have the lifestyle. It almost has to be, to your point again, a just generational rites of passage that happens where if you think about it, before we started living in farms, that's kind of conceptually what we were doing. We were tribed, but we were already, we, we held on to our history. We had traditions and things that were embedded into our culture, into our everyday practice, that when you got on the farm, you also had to do the farm. So it helped you separate it. And then now all of a sudden, you're getting diseases from the animals. The last thing I can do is go back to the sage and the shaman to get some some real natural stuff because that was my grandpa right now I'm on this farm and I own these, these, this calf and this is, and so that to me, and again, speaking hypothetically in this like broad perspective, it's, it's, it's this shift that happened to our way of living that started embedding into our everyday practice. Again, children of the eighties, we love the eighties, but if you look at it right now, it's better to be here now than it was in the eighties. Cause nobody likes, um, those Scooby-Doo vans, you know, people are going around picking up kids in those things, just like it was strawberries in a field. And um, domestic violence was at an on-time high. You had people that were having um, sexual changes and things that they couldn't talk about, you know, couldn't find peace and they were dying. And so, sure, it looked good. The 80s was great. You could go outside. But in the background, there was this yeah, undertone. Sure. And it's happening now. You know, yeah. we have technology and and the idea of AI and AGI and all this stuff that sounds great. But you and I don't know each other. But yet the, the similarity in our approach to life is so canny. Why not? Why don't we know each other? That's my point. You know, like it's for us to take the initiative to go out and connect with strangers because we have this similarity that's not common. You know, sure, we don't live in the same neighborhood. I don't know what how much you make. You know, we, we don't have we don't run in the same circles, but I'm not afraid to know you because how you express your life resonates with me. And that's different nowadays. You know, it's again, social media. How many likes? Who do you know? Do we, you know you, you're not friends with someone unless they can benefit you in some way? You know, and that's missing again. For what? I don't know. Yeah, I hear that, man. Uh, it's uh, I. I I think your point that, um, you know, this moment is the moment to be in. Yeah, is, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah, I hear that. And I think that's uh, always true. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, your book is about deepening your relationship living on Earth. You know, like, I think that's, that's in part with, yeah, in part with how they um, describe it. And I would really think that that's true. You're on this floating little ball spinning at 100 miles per hour. The only thing that's holding you down is gravity. You're not being held down by anything. You're not standing on a platform. You're being stuck against this object through gravity. And so if gravity ever changes, we'll just float off this motherfucker. Like, <laughs> But nobody seems to get that. So when we get grounded like your work, it's grounding us into that, that hold, you know, and blah, 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 blah. It's just really great to have people like you. That's my oh. point. And and exactly. I like myself, but I like you too, because you're doing the work, man. This is the stuff like, tell me when you're not so positive or what happened, what's it, what's it like when you're doing the getting better at Micah work? You know, you have the book, you have the outdoors, you have the Kapalu, you have um, these programs, but how do you work on getting centered? Do you have any um, at-home traditions you do? 
uh, daily mm. practices that you offer yourself? Yeah, sure. I can talk about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, let's see. Well, I guess, uh, you know, big change for me last few years was uh, uh, two years sober. So uh, stopped drinking two years ago. Mm. And that's been uh, an amazing shift in my life and uh, very grateful uh, for that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, that was uh, probably a long time coming. Um, but yeah. I think it was in the in the fall of 2020, um, I, ha I, I was out of work because uh, Cropello closed, you know, during the pandemic. Yeah. So that was a difficult time. You know, I kind of lost my employment. There was a lot that was up in the air. It was, it was hard. It was a hard period. And, uh, yeah. but there was a lot of good parts to it. Part, you know, one, we homeschooled our kids and I yeah. had a lot of time at home with my family, with, with my son and daughter. And it was wonderful. Um, but the fall of 2020, um, you know, I had time to hunt. And yeah. so I actually got out and um, really devoted myself to um, to, to deer hunting. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had uh, about two months where I was out there a lot. Yeah. I had never spent so much time alone, quiet, sitting in the forest. Mm -hmm. And through that process that fall, something really shifted in me. I found some clarity out there and uh, I decided that at that point, at that point that alcohol had never really been a positive uh, part of my life. <laughs> you know, I when I it just got really clear. I was like, this has never really right. been good for me. Such and, a powerful uh, space. Yeah. So that was, that was big. And that's been two years. Yeah. And then uh, last year, the start of 2022, one of my oldest friends, asked me if I would like to take on a challenge for 2022. Mm. And he said, uh, we're going to do 50,000 push-ups. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> and I you was made like, it. You know, I was <laughs> like, you know what? I'm down. Let's do this. Mm. And so um, it, it eventually became uh, 50,000 push-ups, pull-ups, squats, or crunches. I was gonna, you came down, the words right out of my mouth. I'll do 50,000 squats. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Came down to 137 reps every single day for 2022 with no days off. Wow. And Master. so we just wrapped it up two days ago and yeah. uh, we've increased it and renewed for this year. So um, last year, you know, that was big. Just that commitment every day to, um, to my body, to strength, to doing it, but it was also like this wonderful invitation into uh, community, into fellowship with, with one of my best friends, you know, and every day we would just get on, like we just message each other, boom, yeah. done, you know, and yeah. um, that kind Holding of catalyzed accountable. me, mm -hmm. accountability, mm -hmm. and, it, and it catalyzed um, a, a reawakening of positive male support, yeah. friendship, which I, I've been lacking for for a few years, um, and and so that that's been really important and a big yeah. part of I think what's evolving for me right now is leaning into, um, you know, a, a, a brotherhood um, space. You know, I'll tell you something, Howard. I don't know if you can relate to this, but I uh, I led a men's program here at Kripalu recently, and one yeah. of the themes that really emerged from it was we are all dealing with the same or very similar challenges. And yet so many of us feel like 
we're the only ones. Yeah, no, I, I, I can relate. So, so I was fortunate. It, this, this moment right now that we're speaking in, it's like the, the silence between the two, the two breaths for me. Because I'm now being, as of tomorrow, I'll be starting out as providing guided meditation for black and brown young men in, mm. in a specific group called Express Yourself Black Men. And the goal for us is to provide that opportunity as much as we can of community, of companionship, of camaraderie, of knowing someone is here to support you. And even outside of that, I've been doing work with nonprofits, with myself, and trying to stand up for that message. You know, I'm only one guy in this, in this reality, I'm known to be a black guy. So it's, it's okay that my pocket is limited to my experience, but it doesn't have to be. What I'm saying is that it's in part with my experience. Who I am in this earth is in part with my experience. So acknowledging how that works with the world around me is important. So working for black and brown people and trying to find a space to build conversations like this is so important. And we realize it's not just us who are having this problem. It's a human problem. It's a human, and especially for men, it's a human man problem to the conversation of us lacking that. I call it the level of love we, we need for ourselves. You know, it's almost like we have this wall, this continuous comparison wall between us as men where I don't know where it comes from and we can talk about where it comes from. It doesn't matter, but what makes it prevalent, what makes it present is every day that if I need something to say, if I want something to say, if I want something to share, even if it's a win, there are a lot of men, me included for a very long time, never celebrated my wins. Mm. I was winning all over the place <laughs> and I'm not celebrating yeah. it. You know, it took blah, blah, blah to really get me into the recognition of it. But in that space, I would cry. I would complain. I would feel like I'm alone. And they're like, dude, you just climbed Mount Everest. Yeah, but I did it by myself. Yeah. What? <laughs> That's also cool. Yeah, but it, again, we won't, we don't, we yeah. don't seem to let it go and enjoy it. And so having you say that is in part with what's happening in the energy. There's a shift that's needed. And maybe we're being called into it in our own way. But you stopping to do a vice that doesn't reflect your best self. You know, it's not like anyone cares if you stop drinking, but you care. You care so much that now when you stop knowing people knowing that you stopped, it helps them. But you weren't doing it to help them. You were just doing it to help yourself. But it's so powerful that when you help yourself, it just reverberates into other people's experience. And they kind of have to deal with it or get with it. And so, but it takes that being or that person to own it. And a lot of us aren't owning it, especially men. We aren't owning that we're having problems. We aren't owning that we need to talk to somebody. We aren't owning that it hurts. Dude, I dare you to go up to five guys. I'll give you a million dollars if I could afford it and go up to <laughs> guys and say, it hurts. Does it hurt you? And see if you don't get punched in the face in one <laughs> or they walk away from you. Yeah. You know, it's setting, but it's also reality because you could be in the best setting and they still don't, we still don't know how to open up. So this is great. I think maybe in a few generations, and maybe you could speak to this too. Do you think eventually we will all, at least in this part, light up to this reality that you and I seem to live every day? You know, like, are we just crazy being rewilders, spacesuit and ancient? Like, who are we if we're not here to do something more important? 
and it doesn't feel like a self-evolving thing you know you know i i that those that bookshelf doesn't look like it's made of gold you know so it, it you're still humble in your ways so how is it that we take this to the next step if um there's like a lot of this going on we really need to stay together and figure it out and i guess i'm babbling but i'm getting to the point that your work is really this tool that can help you but it starts with you like someone outside can look at your work and like yeah this guy likes himself he talks a lot he does a lot of self stuff but if you kind of look at it from like a google view you can see that it's a teaching tool it's a tool for you back to your um the people who approached you about the book you know they had to learn about you to then try to bring that out into words right and so a yeah. lot of that a lot of what needs to happen for us is learning about who you are because you were this person before you had all the pockets they they found you because you were you and then offered you an opportunity to help others yeah it's kind of crazy like uh i i, I uh I kind of feel like I live in a magical universe. I, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm talking, but it's, sometimes I can talk too much because it, it's words are hard to find for this space. And yeah. for me, it is. Yeah. Well, you know, as you were talking, you know, how do these things happen? Or what What's going to happen? How do these things happen? Like, um, you know, I think My feeling is that my, my well, let's just say my experience of of being alive is that there's more to this experience than meets the eye. Yeah. Of being a human being. Yeah. Um, you know, we live in this world where, you know, when you look at the news or you look at the mainstream narrative of the history of the world, you get this particular story. Mm -hmm. I don't really buy into that story too much myself. Yeah. Um, uh, my experience is that there is a lot of profound magic and wonder that can't be contained by sort of the narrow story that often gets told of this planet and yeah. our species and, and things of that nature. So, and I, because in my own life, like I've just had too many experiences of things that just are unexplainable. If, if I'm just using Newtonian physics, you know, <laughs> right. and so, common sense, like that doesn't seem right. Yeah. 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 You know, it's um, the world as I see it is um, something I'm just going to speak from my own experience and where, you know, my reality, I live and I look at the world, I see something that was created. Yeah. Not something that just happened. That's my reality. That's the reality I live in. I do believe that um, when, yeah. I, when I look at myself, I, I see something that was made with love. Yeah. You know, and I look at a tree, I see something that was created with love. You yeah. Know? When I look at the night sky. I see the same thing. Um, when my children were born, you know, same thing. Um, yeah. the, 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 this universe is sacred. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I hope that, that, that reality continues to grow and expand. But the thing is, Howard is like, when I look at our world, I see a world that's been made and remade many times. 100%. And so what the future holds, I think, is probably continual transformation. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this constant and, and, evolution, constant, constant change, but for the whole, you know. Yeah, and I think what rewilding was about, if I could sum it up like in a thumbprint, was yeah. um, 
my nature sort of is a cues us yeah. like the natural world kind of i feel like it's communicating mm-hmm. and so the the message i've been getting and that's kind of what i hope was i think kind of coming through rewilding was like now's a good time for everybody to sort of really pay attention to the earth mother yeah and to tune in because if we can stay close and we can stay in tune with the earth and the skies, if we can sit with the forces of nature, mm-hmm. um, that's how we can adapt with the changes that are moving right now. Is staying totally you know, really to staying paying close attention, being mindful. You know, mm-hmm. the, the things are changing right now rapidly um, on a lot of different levels, and so for me, rewilding is about. Um, in one sense, like having one foot in the last ice age, you know, and one foot in sort of the 2023 world, because mm-hmm. you know, we need to be plugged into the intelligence of the earth. Um, and we need to know what's going on in, in the human made world as well. We do. Um, but the, but the, the, the forces of nature are, are the most powerful. <laughs> yeah. I, what, it, what, what I'm hearing you say is that get better at grounding everyone get better at grounding, get really centered or focused or double down on the idea of walking outside in nature and touching your feet to the ground, working with crystals, working with meditation as much. You know, um, I, selfishly, I'd love to take a, take a part or take part in your, um, your class over at Kapalu or, or even, even get certified because that type of knowledge for me is you can't, it's so useful. It's endless. Like you can't not use it over and over. And um, I really appreciated you taking this time because it, it, we need each other, you know, and I guess in that some way in my belief that I don't know you from Adam, but we are the same atom, you know, and if, at, if atoms themselves don't touch anything and they're living inside this space, digging down into it to like string theory and more into microscience, we aren't even here right? We're not here. We're just this wind, this breath, but yet we can consciously look at each other in a brain that sits in darkness that uses only five senses and it has no, it can't feel itself. It has no, nothing. The brain has no senses. It's just in darkness without these six or five senses. Mm. This is how we interface, but yet this is life. And some of us call this our existence and we have all this history. You don't have history. You have electro impulses that you've interpreted over time in this reflection called memory, but there's nothing else between that. So it's this constant knowing of our, in, what's the word? I, I'm not smart enough to know the word, but basically we're not here. You know, our improbability of not even being here. Non-local. <laughs> yes, but yet we, 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 we walk around life thinking we're important you know, or we're better. And it's like, no, man, we're just here. And as best as we can do, acknowledge that. Acknowledge that we are here. Not what it means, just that we're here. Yeah, I I really appreciate this conversation, Micah. Mm -hmm. You were, you definitely, even though you may have not given given all the jewels, (laughs) you've given quite a few. What can people find your book? Uh, you can find Rewilding most places. It's uh, it's it's on Amazon. It's uh, published by Sounds True, Barnes and Nobles. Uh, your local bookseller hopefully has it. 
Yeah. Uh, so it's a pretty easy book to find. And uh, you can find me on uh, Instagram. I'm Micah Rewilding yes. um, as well. And, awesome. Uh, yeah. And you can also check out all the programs that I'm leading and the trainings at Kripalu. And, and they're all in North. Is Kripalu in North Carolina only? Kripalu is in Massachusetts, Massachusetts. in the Berkshire Hills of Massachusetts. Massachusetts. So we're in the Appalachians. Of Western Mass. Okay. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much, Micah. Um, I continue to navigate my life and it seems like you're doing the same. Um, Hopefully this this episode would leave anyone, including the listeners, with a sense that we're all here for each other. Maybe not every day in every way, but the more you strive for your own self-growth, the better you will offer that into the world. You know, there's so much going on right now. Um, and it's not necessarily a, a, a happy place, but we can work on it together. So thank you so much for your time. Amen to that. Thanks for having me on, Howard. It's great to be not here. Not a problem. You. Namaste. You take care, Micah. You too, man. Bye. Mm-hmm.